This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Wednesday, April the 27th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. And first today, a Kent actor who was abused for years as a child by a man considered a family friend has spoken of his fight for justice. Stuart Anthony from Gravesend, who's appeared in EastEnders and the Bill, has bravely decided to waive his right to anonymity and speak exclusively to the Kent Online podcast. In 2016, he decided to go to police to report the abuse he'd suffered at the hands of Billy Nutt. Well, I've been speaking to Stuart and started by asking how Nutt came to target him. He was a family friend of my my mum's. Um, he played, uh, he's a singer, he played in bands um, all, all over. Uh, my mum worked in a pub that he, he pl- was playing in. Uh, they became friends um, when they were younger and um, I, I was sort of introduced to him as a child um and we didn't know any different we just saw him as you know like when you're a kid everybody's an auntie and uncle we just saw him like like an uncle and he was very kind to us and yeah that's that was that was it I think I, but now looking back it was all part of that grooming process and how did the abuse start Stuart was it quite everything seemed quite innocent and then it escalated can you can you go into yes absolutely yeah um it, i think it started with the grooming you know the, the days out the the gifts and stuff like that um sort of trying to work his way in uh, and then after that it progressed quite quickly um significantly over a, a long period of time about five years um and it continued but when, when it's happening, it's it's scary. You you think that nobody's going to believe you. You're a child. I was, you know, I was 10 years old when it first started. I didn't think that the, the adults were sometimes very scary people. You know, they didn't be- always believe what children said. Um, and, you know, back then it wasn't really, it wasn't really spoken of. Um, it, it happened. Everybody knew it happened. Um, but I think since uh, the Jimmy Savile, uh, case it's it's made open people's eyes up to exactly how big sexual abuse is and did he ever say anything to you like to keep quiet or were there threats yeah I, or... I had yeah I had all that not so much threats but uh to keep quiet you know nobody's gonna believe you uh all that sort of stuff um and and I think that's what got into my head that nobody would believe me is because when, when an adult's telling you that then that must be true. You decided to report his crimes back in 2016. Was it then that you first found out that there were other victims or was it after his first conviction? Because this isn't the first time he's been convicted, is it? No, um, he was convicted in, I think, 2015, 14, 15, uh, for sexually abusing a four-year-old boy. Um, And I thought to myself, I saw that and I thought, I can't not say anything now. I was having counselling and I just finished my counselling when when all this had happened. And I thought, I can't let that go. I cannot let that go. I have to say something. I have to come forward, Uh, not just for me, but for other people that are out there that I know it's happened to as well. Uh, And if I could just get one person to come forward, then that's that's it. It's just, you know, it's going to help. 
and more victims did come forward, didn't they? I mean, I know this whole process, the, the trial and everything, has taken a very long time, and there must have been yeah. moments where you thought, oh, you know, can I carry on? But you said you, you kind of got strength from, the, from knowing that other people had come forward as well. I did at first. I, I came forward, actually, um, and uh, I gave my statement, um, and unfortunately it wasn't picked up by the CPS the first time round. They said, unfortunately, there's not enough evidence. It's hysteri- historical. Uh, there isn't enough evidence and unfortunately we won't be able to go forward. Um, luckily, uh, other people came forward and they reopened the case and, and you know, the rest is now history. But yeah, it's, it was very hard. So the, the other uh, the other victims were in court yesterday as well. It was just as hard for them and their families. Um, so I'm not the only one and I, I don't proclaim to be the only person in this, in this case. There, there are two other people. Uh, and it's just as hard for everybody. It was hard. It was hard for the police. You know, for the police officers, you, police officers that were working with us said it's one of the hardest cases that they've worked on in in this sort of crime because there's so many victims and so many other victims that are not willing to come forward. Which it must be frustrating, not not just for you, it's frustrating for me, but for for the people that feel they can't come forward, and for the police as well because they're there to do their job and. Uh, it's very hard. It's, it, it's, it's very hard for everybody. You mentioned, Stuart, that you'd been having counselling. How yeah. has what happened affected you, would you say? Mentally, uh, it, it, it's destroyed me. Um, it's been very hard. Again, my family have been fantastic. Uh, I throw myself into my work a lot. Um, it's, 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 it's very hard. Um, I can say <laughs> uh, the gin has helped. Um, <laughs> Luckily, um, there's people out there that deal with it in, in, in different ways and other people deal with it, you know, by drink or drugs and, you know, getting angry and getting in fights and stuff like that. I'm not like that, unfortunately, you know, fortunately, um, you know, I'll have a little drink. I'll go to the pub. I'll see my friends. I'll talk. And I find talking about it helps as well. I didn't want to ever, ever talk about it. But once I'd, I'd done my counselling and got that first initial load off out, and telling somebody it was it made life a lot easier um but I, I hid it from for, for many years you know my, my partner and I have been together for 12 years half of that she didn't know um so it's very 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 hard it's it's very you know we're still trying to there's still things now that she didn't she the first time she was told anything was was in court finding out those those things for the first time it's it's horrible but I couldn't I just couldn't tell her it was easier to let somebody else do the talking than it was for me at that point you know to go into the in, in intimate details and to do that and to do that um you know to have my family my mum step in court when they're hearing all of those details is, is the hardest thing I think anybody should uh, anybody can go through and as you said this this man was a family friend I mean that yes must be as you say just the yeah. most difficult that abuse thing. of trust yeah 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 completely that abuse of trust and you know you're losing a family member um it was everything it was it was it, it destroyed us all it destroyed us all and and, and you know it's, it's not just our family it's his family as well that there's lots of victims in this and not just the people that have been abused by him um he has family members that are beside themselves and and it's not my place to feel sorry for them um in a way, I do. I feel sorry for everybody that has to go through something like this in, in, in different ways. Um, but he's the, the the justice has now been done, so it's it's, it's great news. 
has it affected your relationships with, with your family? I mean, has any of that been affected by this and have you had to rebuild some of those relationships? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I fell out with my brother for a long time um, because of because of what happened. Um, I won't go into too many details about that, but we've, we've been reunited and we're back and we're talking and we're reminiscing on, on memories from our childhood because a lot of our childhood was taken away. Um by 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 Billy Nutt. So um it's nice to to reminisce on the on the good times. And there were good times. There were, you know, I'm not going to say my childhood was absolutely horrible because of this. Um there were times it was bad, but we had great times. It was it was a good time. It was the 90s. And how do you move forward now, Stuart? Um I throw myself into my work. Um I I, I make myself busy and uh I'm actually writing a new courtroom drama. Um based on my experiences dealing with this. Um, it's called Iris. Uh, we're in production and it will be out next year. 62-year-old Billy Nutt from Week Street in Maidstone grew up in Dartford and was a landlord in Canterbury and Folkestone. He was jailed in 2015 for abusing a four-year-old boy and again in 2019 for grooming another child. He's now been locked up for 18 years. Kent Online News. Other top stories today, and for the first time since they sacked almost 800 staff nearly six weeks ago, P&O ferries have resumed sailings from Dover. They're taking freight across the channel to Calais with passenger services expected to start next week. Staff have been replaced with lower paid agency workers, which has led to serious concerns about safety. Darren Proctor from the RMT Union is worried their rosters will leave them exhausted. Previously, seafarers have worked seven days on seven days off and they've worked for 12 hours at a time at one point P&O wanted to increase the roster patterns from one week on and one week off to two weeks on two weeks off and the report was commissioned by Cardiff University Cardiff University said that following the survey of all the seafarers that the company should remain with one week on one week off because two weeks on two weeks off would increase the fatigue on board and accidents in the safety culture would become watered down unless active as it was at that particular time. The fact is now that they're trying to bring in a a roster pattern 17 times longer and we've got two reports, the Martha report and Project Horizon and it points to, you know, um, tall lengths and long working hours being major contributing factors uh, of fatigue and a third of all maritime accidents were caused by fatigue so you don't have to be a rocket scientist to identify the importance and the implications that uh, the current situation is going to have. You said you previously called on the government to, to take some serious action. Um, presumably, you still want them to, to intervene, do you? Yeah, we still want them to intervene. You know, they've brought out the, the nine-point plan. They've said that Port should do the due diligence and should enforce the national minimum wage with immediate effect. That hasn't happened. They're, they're speaking to us about bringing in a fair ferry framework of some description which talks about kind of decent quality employment, permanent employment, safe roster patterns. But we've yet to see anything come out and anything that they're actually going to do. So until such time as we see something, I think the focus needs to be on on them and what they're actually going to do because it's okay giving us political pity and, you know, coming up with all kinds of remarks about how disgraceful it was and Peter Heppelthwaite's comments, etc. But actually... What are they going to do to safeguard, you know, the UK ferry sector? What are they going to do to safeguard, you know, passengers, the Southland public, especially in the lead up to the holidays and hold them to account?
And Darren, are the union going to be staging any more protests, anything like that down at Dover? We know you've been there over the, the past few weeks. Yeah, we'll continue to hold the protest and continue the campaign of boycott and old ferry because we're obligated to the travelling public. We're obligated to our members and seafarers, you know, to fight for, for, for decent rates of pay. And, you know, to highlight what kind of an employer that P&O Ferries is, what they've done to not only to the seafarers, the, the, the community, to the travelling passengers, the hauliers, the customers, etc. Um, so we will continue to have this campaign against P&O Ferries as long as it takes. Well, the P&O chief exec has previously said the new crewing model would help cut costs without compromising safety. Meantime, the Transport Secretary insists P&O hasn't got away with what it did. Grant Shapps is promising to close legal loopholes to make sure the new crews paid the minimum wage. Here's what he's had to say to MPs today. There are three things that P&O will need to do to get out of this mess, and I call on them today publicly to get on and do it. First of all, it's completely unsustainable to have the head of the PO, the, the boss, uh, Peter Hebblethwaite, who came to a committee room like this and openly and deliberately explained how he sought to, uh, uh, to, 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 to avoid the, the, the law, to break the law. He actually said that was his intention and that he would do it again uh, to remain in the post of leading that company. He will have to go. Secondly, in my view, though it's a matter for uh, P&O themselves, I think that they need to repay their furlough, furlough money as well. And it's around £11 million. I don't think it's right that having claimed that money, they then sacked uh, the workers in such a premeditated uh, way, which they themselves admitted uh, broke the law. Uh, and thirdly, they will have to pay the minimum wage. And uh, on the 10th of May at the Queen's speech, as promised, uh, 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 we will, um, in, in, the, uh, in the detail, uh, ensure that we are legislating uh, in Harvard's bill uh, to make sure that a minimum wage is required for routes which uh, generally plough their trade between here in France or here in Holland or regular back and forth in, a, in, our, in our waters. So they have no choice. They are going to have to pay the proper wage for the job, or the minimum wage for the for, for the job, and I think until they do those three things, they won't find their way uh, back into uh, you know, certainly the affections of, of the travelling uh, public or probably uh, those who use them for, for freight, uh, and it's only a matter of time, I think, before they have to do all three of them. It feels to me that DP World are very concerned about what P&O have done. They, they are a company who have invested, I think, a billion and a half in the UK in the last 10 years, 300 million pounds. Uh, last autumn uh, in uh, the London Gateway, they don't want to see uh, the, the, the reputation of P&O uh, being shredded like this. And I think they understand that there's a necessity to get this sorted out, and I certainly expect them to. And there is some good news for former P&O workers today, because hundreds of jobs are being offered to those who were sacked last month. A recruitment fair has been taking place at St Mary's Parish Centre in the town, with positions available at companies including DFDS, The Port, Border Force and Health Authority. The Archbishop of Canterbury has again hit out at government plans to send some asylum seekers arriving in Kent to Rwanda. Boris Johnson's criticised Justin Welby's comments on the new policy, which is aiming to stop people making the dangerous journey across the channel in small boats. But the church leader says there are serious ethical questions. Controversial plans to transform hospital services in East Kent are being reviewed by NHS leaders. Bosses are trying to decide whether to create a new super hospital in Canterbury or expand emergency 
services currently in Ashford and Margate. A public consultation is due to take place in a couple of months' time. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. The number of emergency food parcels given out by the Trussell Trust in Medway has gone up by almost a third since the start of the pandemic. 10,800 have been handed out over the last year, with about half going to children. Sumi Rabindra Kuma from the charity says these figures are just the tip of the iceberg. People who are making really tough choices and not necessarily going to a food bank, so going without themselves so that they can put food on the table for their kids or turning down the heating or, or switching off the heating, turning off appliances so that they can manage other bills. It's feared demand at food banks will continue to grow because of the cost of living crisis. Armed police have been called to reports of a man with a gun in Herne Bay. Officers were sent to Mortimer Street just before six yesterday evening. They seized two suspected air guns and arrested a man. Hotel rooms which are due to be built as part of a new theme park in North Kent are still selling online despite uncertainty around the plans. Developers have already made a deal with Radisson for a 430-room hotel within the London resort site on the Swanscombe Peninsula, but the current proposals have been withdrawn, although bosses want to put in a new application by the end of the year. Now, a Kent mum who's been told there's no place for her son at a local school says she's prepared to go to court. 11-year-old Sam Horsley from Hartley has autism and needs to go to a specialist secondary in September. He didn't get a place at the family's preferred choice of Milestone in New Ash Green and Longfield Academy say they can't offer one because he needs a special curriculum and speech therapy. His mum Rebecca says she's been left with little choice and has been speaking to our reporter Chris Hunter. At the moment um, Sam has not been offered a school anywhere at all. Um, the local council and myself are in agreement that he needs to go to a special needs school but all the special needs schools in the area are full up. So they've come to the conclusion that he either can't go to school or he's home educated or I go to court and try and overturn the decision. They've offered nothing at all, but you were saying that the primary schools um, offered to help out? The primary school very kindly have said that if it comes to it, they'll fight to keep him there for another year. But it's not really a suitable... I mean, it's very kind of them, but he really needs to be moving on. It's not really age appropriate anymore. Mm. He needs to be with people his own age. What's the next step? The next step is to go to tribunal, but it seems to be the first step rather than... The local authority trying to help in the meantime. Mm. It seems to be go straight to tribunal, um, and then they can wipe their hands of it. And what are they saying? You mean? They're saying um, there are just no schools. The schools are all full up in the area, so there is no solution um, mm. apart from home educating him or going to courts and trying to squeeze him into a school that's already full up. Mm. Which I presume will be the outcome of a tribunal. So I don't really know why it's necessary to waste all that time and money if the outcome is hopefully obvious that he will have to go to a school that's already full up. How do you think this is going to be resolved? Um, I think we will, well, we will end up going to tribunal, unfortunately, but it does seem a very costly and stressful way of resolving something mm. where there can only be one outcome, as I've said. Well, a tribunal is expected to take place in July. The County Council has been asked for a comment. Kent Online reports. Cleaners on some trains in Kent are due to strike for the next 11 days as part of an ongoing row about pay. Staff who work for a company called Churchill and clean Eurostar and Southeastern carriages want £15 an hour. The RMT union says members will walk out until May the 7th. A Kent PCSO is being remembered a year after she was killed while walking her dog. Julia James was attacked in Woodland, not far from her home in Snowdown, between Canterbury and Dover. 
You may remember the 53-year-old's death led to an outpouring of grief and calls to improve women's safety. Well, Katia from our colleagues at KMTV has been chatting with Sally Ann Bedford, who set up the Facebook page remembering Julia James. I was a dog walker like Julia. She was with a dog at the time. And um, I think I said at the time that I was walking my dogs after I'd heard it in the park. And also because at that time there'd been a lot of a lot in the media about women not being able to go out alone without the threat of anything happening. And there just didn't seem to be that for Julia. So I was walking my dog in the park alone and just wondering if it happened to me, would I, would it matter? I'm over four, you know, an over 40-year-old woman. She just didn't seem to have have much attention on her at the time. So I just got together friends. I felt really passionate about it. Um and got together just a few friends locally um, and said, shall we do a walk? And it, and it grew from there. And tell me about how the community grew once you had posted it on Facebook. So I set up a private Cheshire Facebook group, and, Facebook group sorry, and we had about 20 people walk. And I got contacted from a woman in a woman called Barbara in the northeast who said, oh, can you open this up? I think I'd like to do this and I've got friends who'd like to do this. So we made it public and then within within days, weeks, we had, uh, well, almost 2,000 people on the group and 2,000 people walking for her. How incredible was that for you to see that community across, not just in Kent where it happened, but across the UK coming together to remember Julia? I think it was great, but I think it was more important for her family and friends and the local community um, to know that they weren't alone and that we all felt um, sadness for what happened and that we would, wouldn't forget what happened either or forget Julia. A 21-year-old man from Aylsham is due to go on trial next month, charged with murder. A Kent Park that's seen a sharp rise in crime is going to be locked overnight at weekends in a bid to deter troublemakers. Five main gates leading to Dane John Gardens in Canterbury will be closed on Friday and Saturday nights for the next eight months. There have been almost 100 cases of attacks and robberies there in the past two years. A housing developers had to stop working on a site in Chatham because of concerns about wildfire. Wildlife. Residents phoned the council and police when a digger started clearing the way to woodland on Beacon Road. The landowners haven't yet been given planning permission and deny any trees were cut down. And work has started to clear vines, trees and shrubs that are totally taken over a house in Ramsgate. The garden of the property on Boundary Road is so overgrown, neighbours say it looks like something from the film Jumanji. You can head to Kent Online to see pictures for yourself. Kent Online Sports. Football and Gillingham are still in with a chance of avoiding relegation from League One. It's after Fleetwood Town were beaten 3-2 by Sheffield Wednesday last night. That means Fleetwood remain level on points with the Jills but a place above them based on goal difference. So it'll all come down to the final game of the season. Neil Harris's side take on League One title hopefuls Rotherham United at Priestfield and fans will also be keeping a very close eye on Fleetwood's game against 10th place Bolton at Wanderers. Gillingham will need 
need a better result than Fleetwood, who have a much superior goal difference. It's going to be a nail-biter, that's for sure. All of those games on Saturday kick off at 12.30, a slightly earlier time. We will, of course, have updates for you at kentonline.co.uk on the day, and we'll preview the matches for you in the podcast on Friday. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.